The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. On December 27th, 1892, Livingstone and Biddle College, now known as Johnson C. Smith University, played in Salisbury, North Carolina, with Biddle winning 5-0. Over time, HBCU football has evolved. HBCU football's popularity continues to rise. Millions attend games each year and millions more watch on television. The HBCU bands provide some of the top entertainment in the country. Over that time, some of the best players to ever play in the National Football League played at HBCUs. Every Monday through Friday on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, national radio and television host Donald Ware takes a look at what's happening in HBCU football and talks with coaches, players, administrators, and media about the season. Make sure you join the conversation on social media now. Here's your host, Donald Ware. This is the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, September 12th. I'm Donald Ware. It's Takeaway Tuesday on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Before we talk about, this, I get to some of my takeaways. Actually, uh, a couple of things I want to, first of all, talk about the HBCU coaches and uh, media polls which um, were released, as a matter of fact, on yesterday. In the coaches' poll, it was unanimous. All 20 coaches that voted, voted North Carolina Central number one, followed by Florida A&M at number two, Jackson State at number three, Howard at number four, and Prairie View A&M at number five. Six through ten look like this. Morgan State, Alabama A&M, Alabama State, Tennessee State, and North Carolina A&T. In the media poll, you had North Carolina Central at number one, receiving 17 of the 21 first place votes, followed by Florida A&M at number two. The Rattlers received one first place vote. Benedict at number three, Jackson State at number four, Virginia Union at number five. And by the way, Benedict received a first place vote. Six through 10 looked like this. Morgan State, who received a first-place vote. Howard, Prairie View A&M, Tuskegee, and Virginia State. So that, that's a look. And, of course, you can log on to BoxToRow.com to look at the HBCU coaches and media polls. Our Box to Row National Players of the Week, Norfolk State linebacker or defensive back, Joseph White, had a really good game. Five tackles, three of those solo he had three pass breakups. He had an interception in the ball game. Now, he had on Hampton had pulled to within 31 to 23. So it pulled and made it a one possession or one score game or a touchdown in, an, in a two point conversion game. And on the last two possessions, the next to last possession, Joseph White broke up a pass. On the last possession, he intercepted 
uh, a pass to preserve the victory for the Spartans. And that's going to be the Spartans are going to be one of my takeaways, which I will get to momentarily. Uh, our second HBCU National Player of the Week, Donovan Rick, Riddick, the quarterback for West Virginia State, been talking about him a lot. 299 yards of total offense, 281 yards through the air, 25 of 34 passes completed at 76%, three touchdowns and one interception in the Yellow Jackets, 37-35 to 35 victory over UNC Pembroke, it's a Mountain East game, and uh, this young man is absolutely fantastic. Over 2,000 yards in each of his last two seasons, and, and so he's just been incredible. Um, he's got something like um, 36 touchdowns to 12 interceptions over that time frame. He's also rushed for another, I think it is, uh, 11 touchdowns. He's rushed for... Uh, like over 700 yards, something like that. This young man is absolutely fantastic. So one of my takeaways from week two in HBCU football, uh, you've got one, two, three, four, five. Yep, five programs that are 2-0 on the season. And you know, I think we we kind of saw this last year where a lot of the programs um, were really sort of gaining some steam and being undefeated two, three weeks in uh, to the season. We saw that with, with Langston on last year. Your programs are North Carolina Central, who's number one in the media poll, Benedict, who's number three in the, in the poll, Virginia Union, who's number five in the poll, Tuskegee, who's number nine in the poll, and Virginia State, who's number 10 in the poll. And, you talk about some big wins. Virginia State had a big win, big win over Tusculum. That's a team out of the SAC or the South Atlantic Conference, which is a very, very tough conference. Uh, you talk about Tuskegee. I talked about this a little bit um, when Reginald Ruffin left Miles last year to come to Tuskegee. Miles won like one football game, I think, last year. And even Miles is playing some pretty good football. Miles with a big win uh, over Alabama State, which was a bit of a surprise uh, on Saturday, but Tuskegee maintaining with that 2-0 record. And Virginia Union, I mentioned, big win for the Rattlers. Benedict, now Benedict has shut out both Shaw uh, and Benedict. Oh, man, I can't remember. I can't even remember off the top of my head who Benedict played yesterday. But, um, again, a 34 to nothing victory by Benedict on yesterday. I mean, it's something like a combined 80 in excess of 80 points, 80 to nothing. Uh, Benedict has outscored its opponents so far uh, this season. And then North Carolina Central, a big, big win over rival North Carolina A&T. And again, as I mentioned yesterday, I'm really excited. Uh, I think it's a, it's a fantastic, it's absolutely a fantastic opportunity. Listen, if you're going to play a money game, not only get the money, but play a big-time opponent. And Trey Oliver was on the MEAC call um, on yesterday, talked about how this game came about, I think, I believe through the Ernie, ba uh, Ernie Barnes um, Foundation. So this is a big payday for North Carolina Central, uh, a big game. But on the field, I'm interested to see, because he mentioned they've got like 28 players, or excuse me, 28 
of the NFL teams have come through North Carolina Central to inquire about various players. I know they're inquiring about Davius Richard. I know they're inquiring about Khalil Baker. This is an opportunity for both of those young men, and that's one another one of my takeaways. Um, big win against A&T for the Eagles, but now you go up to the FBS, and it's an opportunity for Davius Richard to shine in front of a big audience and on a national stage. It's a it's an opportunity for Khalil Baker to shine. Some of these other guys, um, Latrell Collier, the running back, some of these guys to really, really shine. I really like Jamari Taylor as the running back as well. You know, guys like Quentin McCall and Devin Smith as wide receivers to really shine on a big stage. And so um, I think that's, you know, obviously that's really, really good um, for North Carolina Central and looking forward to seeing that um, for the uh, for the Eagles and what the Eagles are able to do uh, with that. On the coaches' call, another one of the takeaways, um, the, the MEAC coaches are really, the MEAC is really sticking together. You could talk about the, the six football playing institutions, the eight institutions overall, but really the MEAC is once other MEAC um, opponents to do well against non-conference opponents and the teams have an opportunity to do that against six other teams. Um, you know, I like that. Like it's not ideal maybe to have six teams. Although at the end of the day, you're going to the celebration bowl anyway, if you win the conference. So yeah, it may not get an automatic qualifier, but you still have it at large. As Buddy Pugh said on the call, still an opportunity to get an at-large berth. And I think that if if I look at you know North Carolina Central and what you know it's doing, Howard, you know, I mean, listen, I mean, Howard obliterated um, this week Morehouse, which it was supposed to do, but a tough loss. Um, against Eastern Michigan, where it's playing up against a MAC opponent, okay, you know Quentin Williams, you know it, it played pretty well in that football game. They got some players that can really play. Um, so again, you never know, but it's an opportunity to play against some non-conference opponents. Maybe if you get some wins, you get to let's say nine wins. Maybe you you lose because once conference play comes around, it's going to be tough in conference play. Um, so even with that, maybe an opportunity for, I mean, it'd be a small opportunity, right? But the point is the conference coaches are really sticking it together. And I'm going to tell you even more about that. in one of my other takeaways, another takeaway is a big win by Norfolk state. It was a bounce back win because I, I feel like Norfolk state to some degree, and it's, you know, it's really not no shame. Look, I look at Virginia State, and Virginia State has got a good program. Um, Dr. Henry Frazier doing a great job there. They're 2-0, as I mentioned, beat a good Tusculum team. Um, but if you're Norfolk, you're probably a little bit embarrassed having uh, lost th- that football game to Virginia State, your old CIAA rival. So to bounce back and win a game against a Hampton team who the week previous beat Grambling in New Jersey, I think is a bounce back win. One of the reporters on the conference call asked 
uh, Coach Odoms whether this could be potentially the win over uh, North or over Hampton. Norfolk State's win over Hampton could be a a a defining win during the season. He indicated it, it's probably a little bit too early to tell that, but you know, a loss could define a season, a win could define a season. You know, I would argue, especially that uh, we will see where Norfolk State is once MEAC play comes around. And if Norfolk does well in the MEAC, which I think the loss early on, if I had to say, I think the loss against Virginia State by the Spartans was a wake-up call. Okay, that's what I think. And you look, you know, you look at the quarterback, Otto Kunze came back, was named MEAC Player of the Week, three touchdowns in the victory over Hampton. That 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 loss, I think, was an eye-opener. And I think Norfolk State, while it may not have looked like Norfolk State was going to be in contention for the MEAC cha- uh, championship, I think, uh, you know, listen, Dawson Odoms is a heck of a football coach. He's going to, he and his staff are going to make adjustments. And so while it may have looked bleak last week, looks better uh, and against a solid, a solid Hampton football team. So that's a big win, I think, uh, by Norfolk State. One of my other takeaways is Morgan State. I talked about Morgan State uh, on last week. I'm an alum, but it's really one of my takeaways because, listen, HBCU football is still buzzing about Morgan State. I mentioned the camaraderie of the MEAC coaches. Well, all of the basically all of the MEAC coaches recognized Morgan State. Now, Morgan State did lose to Akron, but they were playing up. They lost 24 to 21. Morgan State had the lead inside of a minute remaining, trying to run the clock out and fumbled the football. Akron picks it up, goes back the other way. Again, Morgan was up um, 21 to 17 at that time. So that's a heartbreaking loss. But people are recognizing that Morgan State is real, that defense is real. And it's rare that when you come off a loss, you move up in the polls. Okay, that's the respect that is being shown to Morgan State in the coaches poll. Last week, Morgan State was eight. It lost, and there weren't a whole lot of losses above Morgan State. Like all the teams, you had Alabama State who lost. You had Florida A&M who lost, but again, they played up. They remained at number two. Jackson State won, Howard won. These teams that are above Morgan State, Central won. Um uh, a lot of those teams won games. Morgan lost and still moved up two places in the coaches poll. Same thing in the media poll. Moved up two places in the media poll coming off of a loss. So I think Damon Wilson and his staff are doing a tremendous job. I think once they get the offense together like th- they want it to be for the Bears, right? Um, I-, I think... You know, the Bears didn't run the ball as well as they did last week in the win against Richmond, but they passed it a little bit better. But the defense is the constant, and the defense is legit. It is uh, a top defense. And I think if they get the off- the quarterback situation together, the offense going, watch out for Morgan State. So that's another one of my takeaways. And as a matter of fact, my last takeaway uh, for week two of HBCU football. That's going to wrap it up for today's HBCU football daily podcast. Tomorrow we transition to week three 
of the HBCU football season. As always, please tell a friend about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast where you can watch us on the Botch to Row YouTube channel and you can download or listen to the podcast at BotchToRow.com as well as iHeartMedia.com. Talk with you tomorrow. We hope you enjoy this episode of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. You can watch on our YouTube page on YouTube at HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Don't forget to get your HBCU football fix on Box to Row with Donald Ware each weekend on a radio station near you and on Sirius XM on the HBCU channel, channel 142, and on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, channel 84. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and and Instagram for the latest in HBCU football. And don't forget to tell a friend.